I've been thinking, Matthew, that if I could consume the brains and brainwaves of all our listeners, I wonder what sort of reviews they'd leave for us. Um, and I wonder if there's a less messy way to to do that. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've I've been thinking along something similar for for quite a while actually, and you know I, I ran it to uh, the boffins in the lab, and yeah. they came back and said that, that our you know our listeners. They would they would only ever leave five star reviews. That that was their exact words. No, that only was their ever. exact words. Yeah. But yeah. well, I'm glad that you're using your um your PhD in doctoring whatever that is to uh, do something good. Don't you really changing the changing lives of people? And, yeah, uh, I got the finest minds in the world on it. I imagine that they'd. Um, was there any information about joining social media and stuff? Well. That, that they were a little less specific on that. They said that you know they could only draw assumptions that that all the best people were already there, and it would must be a fluke if if they weren't. So, you know, the data's not conclusive, but yeah. it's possible that there may be some some great people that aren't in the group yet. So, hopefully, that gets rectified and they join soon. Yeah, uh, hopefully. And if this is their first episode, um, the reason that we just did that because it's about Weird brain crabs. Right, let's get on with it. And we are doctors are who we? may or may not have crabs. I am itchy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What are those horror sandwiches? I hear you ask from the counter where you're ordering your horror sandwich from. Um, well, I'll tell you what they are. We have a delicious, delicious movie filling surrounded by two slices of bready, chatty goodness. I'm Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, I like that. That's a very, very, uh, very polite um, start to the podcast. Um, no, I was going to commit to an extravagant French accent uh, that that may or may not have even been a French accent uh, in honour of one of the characters in the film we're going to be talking about later. But, absolutely, but I chickened out big time. Oh, I wish you had. I wish you'd said the Mon Ami. Well, Maybe next been, week. That would have been good. Yeah, yeah, somewhat reminiscent of. Um, Brad Pitt's German accent in uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, it's Italian, that. Was it bon Italian? Giorno. Yeah, Bongiorno, motherfucker. Uh, yeah. So, um, I I have um followed along um with something that you were asking me basically: is it horror? And watched the second of the movies that you asked me about, which was *Killing of the Sacred Deer*. Oh, okay. Now, <laughs> the funny, a funny story about this is I started it late at night. Uh, well, I initially started it late at night. It was probably about 11 o'clock. I thought, I can stay up and watch this. And it opens, literally opens with open heart surgery. Like, no context, just open heart surgery. And uh, I went, nope, <laughs> not for me. 
I, I, I don't, I, I, this is not the right time for this. Um, but yeah, so I watched it for you and yeah, thanks very much. You broke my brain. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty grim, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually not something that I want to talk too much about. Um, I, I, all I wanted to say was, yes, it is horror. Um, but I'd really like, um, I think we should get around to doing it very, very soon. Cause, um, I think, I think listeners would really enjoy us digging into that one. Um, it got a lot of layers. It's a big old onion. Yeah. Yeah. A so anyone big listening? Colin Farrell onion. A big Colin Farrell bearded onion. Um, but yeah, so anyone listening, you know, add that to your list because I think that should come up soon. Um, or at least I hope it will because I need someone to help me unpack it. <laughs> You know, like many moons ago, when I first saw Saint Maud, I, I, uh, it's almost like the beginning, really, of you actually coming on as permanent host, really, because I sort of messaged you and went, "I need someone to come and help me figure out <laughs> this movie." Yeah, I, w- I was um, given the honor. I was. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how I should feel about being the person that comes to mind when you see that sort of film, but yeah, I'll take so- it as a compliment. Sometimes you just need somebody to speak to about it because it's like. It's like it kind of Saint Maud kind of broke my brain. It's the the last um the last shot of that movie. Um, but we've got an episode on that, so by all means go back and listen to that. Um it's back in the days when we just ran down the entire plot, so yeah, it was still fun. We had uh, Jade with us on that one. Um yes, so um well I was thought I might segue, but it's not happening, is it? Um talking no, of Talk, talking of films that stir an emotional response. Oh, there you go. <laughs> let's, let's talk about one that doesn't. <laughs> let's get into the first slice of bread. So last week, uh, we promised you that we would watch Winnie the Pooh, uh, Blood and Honey, and um, give you some thoughts on it. Um, and well, most this was anticipated. Your, yeah, this, the, this was the one that you, above all others that you wanted to see. So how did you react? Was it, were you right to anticipate this? No. Good, because I thought it was garbage. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was um, a really, really bad film. Really bad. Um, It actually, uh, I know I've talked about this before, but it did cook on my stove for a little bit, for a little bit afterwards, which I think normally I'd pass off a bad movie because... I dropped in my initial review in in Letterboxd and um, I, I think I might have even given it two stars and I was like, eh, it's not that good, but, you know, I could see it moving into cult status later later in life. And then, like I say, it cooked on the pot a bit and I went back and put one star in there and, um, and put slightly more of a tirade in there because it's just, I don't know, it's just a bad film. My my biggest problem with it is that there is there is nothing about this that is Winnie the Pooh. Like, okay, so it's the the, the characters in it are Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, mm-hmm. but they display nothing of the characters that we remember watching when we were kids. Right. You know, they say that they're in the Hundred Acre Woods, but I mean that's that's, that's just woodland that. You know, it's not like the location was 
a big factor in Winnie the Pooh. You know, it was just a forest that was isolated and had trees where boys could climb and run and fall over and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just means means nothing. And even then, it's it's not a, mostly not even set in the woods. You know, it's most of the horror takes place around this holiday cabin, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's nothing about Winnie the Pooh. You know, he's never does the oh, oh bother. You know, he doesn't talk. No. He has like no relationship with any characters around him. Like even Piglet, because they're just silent the whole time. You know, they don't acknowledge each other other than just look at each other as they're about to kill someone. Mm. And, you know, there's there's no owl, there's no rabbit thinking that he's above all of this or, or like giving orders on how to kill people. And granted, almost all of this is probably down to the budget because you would have needed to buy more masks and hire actors to play them. But they're mentioned yeah. at the beginning. And, and they are, yeah. And, and, and the beginning of this sort of, initially gives you a taste of oh this might be all right because you know they give it gives you a sort of animation style like round the books and you think oh it could be there could be something here but it just slowly gets worse christopher robin you know and i it feels like they didn't they couldn't get an english actor for christopher robin because he's got an odd accent going uh, you know I, mean? I believe when i looked it up he's joint national he's uh he's english ukrainian yeah but you you could tell that in him you know uh, and you could all you could tell the fight for an accent in there as well the, the the fight between the two accents and you know maybe that shouldn't be a thing that worries me but um you know it, it's like but then again with christopher robin i didn't you know there were little bits of it i didn't mind like there was specifically like an excite an excitement about going to see his old friend you know there was a little bit about that but it sort of starts that way and it just seems to get steadily worse and worse like the main sort of characters if you will or or the girls that arrive at this thing they just they're not even good fodder really no that there's None of the characters really have any defining characteristics apart from maybe two of them. So there's the you know the shallow Instagram girl that, mm-hmm. that's there, and then there's you know the main girl whose character is basically just has been victim of a stalker, right? Yeah, and like that that's where it falls down twice, you know, because if you go into build this film around the Winnie the Pooh that's turned evil because he feels like he's been abandoned by Christopher Robin. Make Christopher Robin the center. You know, that's where, that's where your relationship is. That's where you build the film around. Yeah. He should be the one running away from Pooh for the entire film. And, you know, this is what I put in my letterbox review is that there wasn't even a scene where the character is running away from Winnie the Pooh and crawls through a little hole in the forest, and then Pooh follows him and gets stuck. It's the most open goal way to write in someone getting away from the killer in this film, and they just miss it completely. Yeah. But it, it just comes back saying that it, it, it's, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be Winnie the Pooh. It could just be a bloke. And when you've got that, you know, uh, free use, public domain thing, like that stuff's 
it's available. It's there. You can use it. So yeah, yeah. why just make a bland horror where the guy is, it's just a guy in a mask. It's, you know, yeah, that's it, all it it's, is. It's just a nothing, isn't it? It's like, it, it, I hate that about it, that it's a nothing. You know, there's no, you know, the, the, it's not even a so bad. It's not, it's good movie. It's just a, it's just it, to me what annoyed me. I think it was, um, you know, well, it's sort of like something that you said to me while we were while I told you that I'd seen it the first time, which was imagine having a character like Winnie the Pooh and not having any of the charm of the, uh, of that. Or like, you know, fair enough, he's gone mad or whatever, but that still doesn't mean you couldn't have had some of the. I think you already said this, really, but I, I, it just something. I mean. I understand he should have that... been like at least a bit bumbling, shouldn't he? You know, like like, like Pooh is, you know, a bit slow and waddly and distracted. Yeah, but it it's just not. No, there was just it was just uh, like I say that there were very small amounts of, of of bits that I picked out and went, you know, that was okay, that was okay, and um, but it were it wasn't it wasn't enough to push it into the point of like you know being any good no and i appreciate it, it had a 100,000 pound budget so it's a really low budget film and fair play to him i think it's made 4 million something like that you know so fair play to him um, yeah and i mean you know some of the kills in it were were pretty good uh, at least you know in, in terms of endeavor um you know what? What they they had a go at. Uh, they're a little bit, uh, a little bit bland. You know, unoriginal. But like, you know, if they had a bit more budget, they probably could have got a bit more out of them. So you know, it it's not. I don't want to say the filmmakers uh, behind this. You know, they're not a complete. You know, bust. There, there is, there is a bit of talent there. There is something of a know-how but i think they've like this just feels like a generic horror film that they've slapped the mm-hmm. gimmick on yeah yeah and it's yeah it just doesn't it doesn't need the gimmick and it felt a bit like an expensive student movie right yeah you know, so someone yeah. they, they know the rules of what they're doing you know they that they can put together, you know, a decent looking setup and and shoot it and light it reasonably well, uh, but they you know they don't have that experience and you know that that little bit of extra spark needed to you know to start getting something good out. So you know I, I don't want to write them off, but no, you know, I think I'd be interested can... to see if they've got something else in them, you know, with a little bit of budget. I think there's clearly someone there knows how to do effects and could do the, did the best they could with the budget that they had. Um, and and it does look as if they're going to do a second one. You know, in the credits, it does say Winnie the Pooh will return. So just maybe, the, the, you know, they can use some of the, you know, the, yeah. the money they've got, which, I, you know, they, they made that money purely off, off intrigue and, yeah, yeah. That the concept that you know maybe they can use that money to right a few of the wrongs, maybe. Yeah, well, it's managed to have the odd um, cinema release, hasn't it? Um, uh, I'm 
So I've not certainly not seen any around here. I have heard it being spoken about on say a couple of national radio stations though. So yeah. you know, there's I think they showed it at the Prince Charles in London. Um which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's definitely you know, there's definitely an audience for this one. There's buzz. There was enough buzz yeah. about it that people that people wanted to see it, and that's fine. You know, I'm with you. I've got I've, so nothing against the filmmakers, really. It's just that what they made here, it just it just doesn't have any charm. It doesn't have anything really about it. So um, I'll give it a shit. Yeah, but, I'm 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 doing the same. Lovely. Well, no, that's. The first slice of bread out of the way. You're sort of getting two movie reviews here today. Um, because we're gonna be doing now the um the first episode of Fool's Gold, April Fools. I forgot what it's called. April Fools or Fool's Gold. Ah, there you go. Your Fools. concept. There's no excuse for you not knowing that. Yeah, well, my brain doesn't work. Um or some it doesn't work about me. I don't know what it is. And if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that Matthew Drew rolled for what's it called? Attack of the Crab Monsters. Yeah. Um and well, we both watched it. <laughs> well, we don't know that for sure yet. Well, <laughs> I made notes on it. No, yeah, it's uh, uh I, I made some notes on it. <laughs> this was probably uh, the easiest watch we've ever had because it's what, like an hour and five minutes? It's and it's available on YouTube, so if you yeah. uh, if you if you haven't watched it, take the device that you're listening to this on, and and you can just watch it on there immediately. Although I, you, you know, use Wi-Fi, you know, data plans, they, they don't take kindly to hour-long YouTube videos. No, no, no. So uh, yeah, let's let's get into it then. So it's uh, this is it from 1957. Ooh. So uh, a long old while ago now for for young whippersnappers like ourselves. And it is a Roger Corman film. So it, this was in the era where he was just pumping out like six or seven movies every year. Uh, just constant content train of these, you know, those, these B movies. And it was made on a budget of seventy to $85,000. And the box office, I mean, I don't really know how they judge these because this is like the year of, you know, this is a B movie, isn't it? So it was, does the budget count against this one or the movie it was playing before? Or I don't know. Yeah. But... It might be hard to find actually because I think I either read or heard something about it actually being initially part of a double feature. So... Well, the... the... Box office that I found was was eight hundred thousand dollars to a million. So all right, yeah, okay. Whether that's entirely attributable to this film or not, who knows? But in, either way, it's it's a big success, isn't it? It's you know, it's making a lot of money. Yeah. Although, so back in those days, the way that you had to print off, you know, prints to send out the theaters was a lot more expensive then. So it's probably not as massive a success as we'd probably think of it now. Uh, but yeah, so said directed by Roger Corman, as we said, uh, written by Charles B. Griffith, and our cast we have Richard Gatland as Dale Brewer, 
Pamela Duncan as Martha Hunter, Russell Johnson as Hank Chapman, Leslie Bradley as Dr. Carl Wingard, and Mel Wells as Jules Devereaux, our aforementioned extravagant Frenchman. Oh. And, yeah, it's, I mean, this is... <laughs> It's a really solid concept. I, you know, it's really good in that uh, it follows a group of uh, scientists and some Navy support men who are visiting an island in the South Pacific uh, around the Bikini Atoll region. And they are investigating the effects of nuclear, uh, well, nuclear radiation on the land. Mm. Also, the disappearance of a previous expedition that were supposed to be doing that, but all mysteriously vanished. Mm. And you will never believe why. Why? So, uh, because there's a massive crab monster. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah uh, who is psychic and also like enormous and has big sharp pincers. And possibly isn't phased into our reality. Or something, something. There's the sciencey explanations, which which may or may not stand up to scrutiny. May or may not be absolute bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) There was a fun bit I enjoyed in it. Well, I I might have only been half listening, but they were talking about the size of the worms, and and it made me think of the Godzilla '98 movie where um, Matthew Broderick's character had found large worms. I was like, oh, I wonder where they. I wonder if they got that from there. I think my favorite sciencey bit, which I'm not sure if this, if I've, I've got it completely correct, but it was something like, oh, it leaves ashes behind. That means it's negatively charged. I'm like, <laughs> all right, right, okay. I think you have to spend a lot of this movie going. All right, <laughs> if that's if that's what you're saying's happening, then yeah, all right. I mean. I'll quote my own father with this one, which is that there was too many people and not enough monster. Um, that That's what this movie's not got going for it. Um, I think you don't really see the crab until half an hour in, which considering it's an hour hour's movie, it's like you don't get much of it. And Yeah, that, that's your second act plot twist, isn't it? You actually get to see the monster. <laughs> you actually get to see the monster. And, you know, it's not a bad-looking monster, to be quite honest with you. Um, the sort of... You know, is a crab scary? Not particularly, but this one, especially with its sort of human eyes, it's it's quite quite a freaky little thing. Um, and the the size of it, you know, against the actors as well, you know that that certainly helps it because it's a massive crab. You know, you can see that it's a massive crab. It's yeah, not yeah. like you know, it's not modern day. It's not a big CGI thing that you, you know doesn't react to the world like you know like a person does. This is a a big puppeteered monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. I think the only thing, the issue, the only issue I've really uh, had with it is that I think I would have preferred to watch it with someone like-minded. I think it doesn't stand to be in a movie that you just sit and watch on your own. I don't think it, it needs a bit of. Um, no, because me talking to you about it, even just now, I can I can think about yeah, it was quite funny in different parts, and um, you know, I enjoyed this bit and that bit. But while I was actually watching it, I was going, oh god, let this hour be over. Um, 
which is odd, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's like you can tell very much that it's made in a very it's made to cater for something very specific, and you know, like you said, it's it's an audience experience or sharing it with someone. Uh, you know, I watched it with with the missus, and she really enjoyed the the Crab King, as she was calling him. And <laughs> I asked her what she thought of the film at the end, and she said, "What what star review you gave it? But one more, because I love the Crab King." <laughs> I have so given five it stars, a... and you can't get more than that. Oh really? Yeah, I'm very petty that way. Uh, but you know, it's it is meant for that shared experience and i think if you're you know a 10 year old kid in 1957 and you know you're sort of you're born after world war ii you're 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 in this period of this big futuristic change in the dawning of the nuclear era and this film i think if i was that age i would have loved this film yeah yeah because it's you know it's Sciencey, but it's all made up. So you, you know, you just have to feel smart <laughs> watching it, which I'm sure a ten-year-old in the fifties probably did watching this. You know, because you know it's nonsense, but it, you know, it makes sense to hear it. You know, mm. uh, and then there's, you know, there's a big monster, and that's made by nuclear uh, radiation, and you know, it's this still this new weird thing that we don't understand yeah and you know it's it's great i think if you know kids i don't know maybe even now might get a kick out of this i mean probably not now because it looks you know it's definitely aged hasn't it yeah it's aged and um i don't know if what what you watched but what i watched i think the print hasn't survived the time very well there was a lot of um (laughs) a lot of wiggling uh, uh in front of the picture and stuff, which which was a shame, but um, yeah, I think and I think the sort of added extra that the island was sinking as well, which um, I think they sort of did a reasonable job of changing the scenery enough to make it look like they were on a smaller area of 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 land. So yeah, um, hmm, yeah. I mean, there's the uh, you know what you said about the monster. That that goes the same for all that changing landscape of the island, isn't it? So, you know, the idea is that they're on this small island and and the crab monsters basically just destroying it to trap our characters in, so you can get them and eat them. Hmm. And like you said, that you don't see enough of the monster. You never see any of this topography changing, do you? Uh, apart from one scene, which I thought looked really impressive for the time. You know, with the we actually see like the land sliding down. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. And then yeah. another one which is just stock footage <laughs> that they've chucked in later towards the end. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. Um oh actually there were some other things. I quite enjoyed the opening credits now, now I think about it. Um there was it was sort of like weirdly drawn and stuff like that, which I which I quite liked. And the underwater scenes were good. That's um, that's exactly what I was gonna say. They're like they were really nice, weren't they? They were Mm. You know, full of fish. They they flowed nicely, and uh, again, they, they feel quite modern, don't they? I don't re- yeah. recall really seeing much underwater stuff around that time. I have a feeling that it was an aquarium, 
like a sea life center or something like that and they filmed the actors in there because it seemed very sort of um you know like odd collections of fish and they were all very close together but yeah it, that, that would make sense but um in terms of it it didn't matter because it looked good and there were some moments certainly underwater the underwater diving moments where there was a little bit of tension to it like oh you know just you know right at the beginning one of one of the guys gets pulled under the water and his head chopped off. Um, so there was a little bit of, you know, especially that underwater because it's dark, isn't it? And it's like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be a crab monster knocking around. Um, I, I, the other thing which I think does a lot of heavy lifting for the, you know, for the tension and whatnot is that it does have a really nice score. Now, mm. I think this is I mean, what we'd now call you know stock music that I think they just they just had a library of yeah you know of sounds and scores for for this sort of thing but because uh, after after the YouTube video it auto played onto something next and I, I can't remember what film it was but it was the exact same score again <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it it's not bespoke to the film but it does fit very nicely yeah it does yeah they've yeah. used it very well for that yeah um uh, I don't think I have too much more that I want to say about it, apart from the fact that whoever had subtitled the movie had done a really, really bad job. Um, I didn't have subtitles on mine, so I can't attest to that. I prefer a subtitle because I often can't often find people mumbling. Um, but I had to turn it off because at one point um, somebody is talking about their backpack and on the thing it said podcast. And I'm like, is this... <laughs> Is this having a go at me? Um, I, I'm quite sure if it was just having a pop. Um, but yeah, there was something. I, I, I turned it off at the beginning because there was some someone was called a someone was a botanist, but the subtitles didn't pick up on that. Um, pot habit or something like that. <laughs> All right, okay. So yeah, lazy subtitles, but you know, to a degree, quite funny. But again, I think that goes back to if. I'd been sat with someone. If I'd been sat with you, for example, we would have had to leave that on because that would have been funny. But you know, gives you that extra layer, doesn't it? Yeah, but because I was on my own, I was like, oh, I'll turn that off. It's bugging me. Um, so yeah, I think well, that's the only complaint. Well, no, I mean, it is a bit boring, and you don't get the monsters, and you know, I, I'm not going to sell it as the greatest movie ever. But um, we certainly, yeah, I mean, the first the first act definitely is just a lot of people stood around talking. Yeah. Isn't it without much yeah. uh, of anything going on? Yeah. And I, I really loved how you could tell that it, it was like a film that was just on this conveyor belt, just like churn it out, churn it out, churn it out. <laughs> like there's these little bits here, like the costumes are all over the place. <laughs> like in the first yeah. scene, like yeah. the French guys just in this big like safari outfit. Then you've got people wrapped up in like trench coats. It's like it's supposed to be a tropical island, and you're wearing a big yeah. coat. Yeah, and then funny. there's a, a dude that's just like, oh, maybe maybe we'll get away if this terrible weather subsides. And even in you know a scratchy print, you can just tell it's bright sunshine, and both characters are wearing sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I've now thought about it. I actually remember that I quite liked every time the crab was talking um, in different people's voices, but it, it had that sort of air of. Captain Scarlet, it's sort of this is the voice of the Mister yes. Ron, which uh, I quite enjoyed. And uh, yeah, overall, 
Not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's that, you know, if it, it's 50s B movies, you know, it probably doesn't stand out from a lot of the others that that you'd likely find. And I don't think it, you know, it's no better or no worse than, than a lot of the Mighty Eights. Hmm. It's a good example of that kind of film. And, you know, I think it's a lot of fun, you know, regardless of it, its quality, which, you know, it's low, but it's kind of, it's just by design, isn't it? You know, they, yeah. they didn't throw a lot of money at it compared to, you know, to the air features. They churned them out very quickly. You know, it was an industry. It wasn't, it wasn't so much art, uh, but I think because it's got someone like Roger Corman at the helm of it, you know, he knew how to to elevate that production line to something, you know, more fun. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not Little Shop of Horrors good, but no, but it, it, it did make me certainly think, not bad. It did make me think watching this that um, we owe Roger Corman a slice of bread at, ver- at very least, or even a seat, or even a, or even a month. <laughs> um, a month of Corman. Cormanuary. There you go. There you go. That's that sorted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I think, uh, um, you know, it's been coming up a lot on my podcasts and stuff recently, uh, Roger Corman, about, you know, the amount of people that he gave a start in the industry is, you know, it's amazing the list of. A-list directors and sort of auteurs, even if you will, that he gave their start to. Um, it's very interesting, and I think, uh, like I say, we owe well, we don't owe it to him. But yeah, I think actors as well. You know, yeah, yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, one of Jack Nicholson's first Jack Nicholson, roles. Yeah, yeah. I just watched Jack Nicholson in a movie called The Raven, which was not the movie that I wanted to watch. Was that uh, the Roger Corman Raven? Yeah, it was the Roger Corman. Raven. <laughs> I, I, I had intended to watch a different one and I didn't realize until about halfway in that I was like, I don't think this is the movie that I was supposed to be watching. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter. All all adds to the list, doesn't it? But yeah, Jack Nicholson was in that too. Yeah, uh, I, I, he, is, he is one of those sort of unsung heroes of cinema. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, you so you're changing the review system for this. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do a new one for for the month. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna drop our three tier system because we've realised that we're gonna be talking about mostly crap films this month unless unless we get lucky uh, and hit uh, hit the right one. So, you know, we're we're not going to judge so much on quality. We're going to judge whether the films are worth watching. And whether you know we had fun with them, uh, so we're, we're moving away from our three tier system, and we're going to say, "Are we a fool, or did we strike gold?" And you know what? I think we struck gold for this one. Yeah, I'm going to say think this we sh- had a lot of charm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we struck gold, but I add probably add a caveat that you know if you can watch it in a watch party or with friends, then that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, definitely, and yeah. even even with friends, friends who know what they're going to get into, because I think oh, if for sure, yeah, you, you're going to say, "Oh, I've got this great bad movie," you know, it's it's not the room, it's you know, it, it's it's old and it's 
the the things that you sort of laugh about and and have fun with they're not bad actors or you know stupid characters the just quirks of of old, old filmmaking lovely yes well on that i think that's it then we're on the last slice of bread already it feels like we've gone quickly but uh, we probably haven't we're flying through this one we're, we're yeah we're keeping it compact we are we are like a like a corned beef sandwich so um the last slice of bread which i'll let you take take ahead go ahead yeah so i am putting you through what you put me through last week <laughs> and uh, i have six films here Okay. Uh, I too have chosen a theme for my six films. Oh. And I have five, well, what we're led to believe are bad films, mm-hmm. and one, what we're led to believe is a very good film. Oh. And you are going to roll a dice, and yeah, whatever gonna... number lands on is the film that we are going to watch. I'm going to try and do it on the microphone as well, see if it comes across. So I've got a, a dice now, and I'm throwing it. Three. Three. Right. So the the theme that we have for next week then is Stephen King. Because that is a very, very deep well to draw from. Mm. So I have the uh, the list then. So this is what, what you could have won. So number <laughs> one, I had last year's Firestarter. Okay which was a 1.8 on Letterboxd. Uh, never play with fire. So it's for, I'm just going to read the Letterboxd uh, synopses. That's all I did. For more than a decade, parents Andy and Vicky have been on the run, desperate to hide their daughter Charlie from a shadowy federal agency that wants to harness her unprecedented gift for creating fire into a weapon of mass destruction. Andy has taught Charlie how to diffuse her power, which is triggered by anger or pain. But as Charlie turns 11, the fire becomes harder and harder to control. After an incident reveals the family's location, a mysterious operative is deployed to hunt down the family and seize Charlie once and for all. But Charlie has other plans. That is a very long synopsis, isn't it? It is. I was going to say they've practically given us the whole movie there. Um, I keep seeing it pop up and keep thinking about watching it. Um, so, I mean, but... this is a film that like, came out last year. In cinemas, and I see almost everything in cinemas, and I miss this one. So that must be how bad this film is. <laughs> Lovely. So, unfortunately, the, the number two, this is the one that I really wanted, truth be told. All right. And that is 1997's Trucks. Uh, based on the short story by Stephen King, this tells the tale of trucks suddenly coming to life and attacking their owners. Uh, the poster is just a skull driving a truck yeah that sounds good I guess it's a skeleton but you can only really see the skull yeah that sounds good I might have to add that to my list anyway I started watching House Shark from last week (laughs) (laughs) I think one week you're just going to end up watching all six of them anyway aren't you yeah probably yeah Okay, so we'll we'll leave number three for last because that's what you chose. Okay, uh, number four, uh, we all know this one. This is the good one, and oh. uh, it's going to be misery. Oh, ironic that that was the the good one. <laughs> uh, number five, that was Cell from twenty sixteen. 
this was a really weird one because this like it has John Cusack, Samuel L. Jackson, and Isabel Furman in. So you know it's pretty big name cast there. And I I'd never heard of it until looking up this list. Uh, it's when everyone is connected, no one is safe. When a strange signal pulsates through all cell phone networks worldwide, it starts a murderous epidemic of epic proportions. When users become bloodthirsty creatures and a group of people in New England are among the survivors to deal with the ensuing chaos after. Hmm. Sounds... I think I've heard that. Was that. The one, that was the one that sounded the worst to me. I, I, I think that sounded like there wasn't much to to get stuck into with it. And especially when you've got, you know, really great cast there. If you're not able to churn out much of anything decent, it's probably real bad. Oh, no. Uh, And then the the last one that we had, number six, it's another one that came out recently. I had no idea it was even made. And it was 2020's Children of the Corn. Oh, really? I didn't know that we made that. Yeah. Uh, so it's every parent's nightmare. A psychopathic 12-year-old girl in a small town in Nebraska recruits all the other children and goes on a bloody rampage, killing the corrupt adults and anyone else who opposes her. A bright high schooler who won't go along with the plan is the town's only hope of survival. Mm. Which, judging from that, at least they went in a different direction to, you know, the first uh, version of that. So, I mean, there has been, there's a whole other Children of the Corn franchise as well. I mean, which must be said, when uh, when I did draw this list, I didn't use things like sequels because I thought they might be a bit hard to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah. No, um, so, I've got a really bad feeling about what this movie's going to be. <laughs> are, are you ready for, uh, yeah, are you ready for the, the, uh, the reveal? Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna gonna do a little more padding before I tell you because I remember this one. So this is a film from 1998, and when I was a kid, I used to have a, a little mom and pop video shop just down the road from me. Uh, I ended up working there as a teenager. It's the best job I ever had because all right. I did was watch films, and there were never any customers. Okay, uh, which is why why the place closed and I got made redundant. But still, <laughs> <laughs> while I was there, it was great. Good job while you've got it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember this poster. I, co- I forgot about it completely, but I remember the poster looking back. And this is Sometimes They Come Back, dot, 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 for more. And on an Arctic radio, on an Arctic Circle radio shack, an ancient evil lurks, ready to strike at a psychologist, an army man, and their collective forces. What year was that from, sorry? From 1998. Oh, there we go. It, it is a rather striking post, you know. It's a yeah, a, a big red hand sticking out of the uh, the snow there. And yeah, I re- I remember seeing it when I was uh, but a yeah. wee one. I can I can see that being one of those ones that stands out, yeah, because it it looks like it could be good. Um. I was so worried you were going to make me watch Maximum Overdrive. 
No, this I think that was uh, that must be quite high on the list because it yeah it didn't come on my naff. <laughs> I, I just re uh, ordered them by uh, lowest you know the lowest average rating on Letterbox. Oh, yeah. It's actually Maximum Overdrive's sort of middle of the pack on this. It's got yeah at least yeah, some people saying that. it's quite good. Yeah, I could see that. It's not. Um... <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh well, I shall um, I shall look forward to that. I, I, I think one of the things I realised watching the, the the crab movie is that I'm really going to enjoy hopefully dipping into movies I would never even thought of looking at. Um, because you know, how many people have seen this film? We might be we might we, we might be able to give it a renaissance. You know, for the well, few people that listen. The only thing that I've just realised is which. I did it because I had no idea that the other two existed. It's actually the third in the series. So sometimes they come back was released in 1991, and then there was a sequel, Sometimes They Come Back Again, in 1996. And now we're going to watch Sometimes They Come Back for more. Yeah, so not only are we finding a crap film, we're finding a crap film that's the third in a trilogy. So who knows if we're going to know anything about uh, what's going on in the previous ones. Uh, oh, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think yeah, it's going to be too. a good one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm really enjoying this theme this year at this month. Um, I love it. I, I like the little build up and I like the finding out what you've won. I love it. <laughs> oh. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Well, there you go then. So there you go, everyone. Next week will be sometimes they come back for dot 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 more. What have I done? Um, I don't know. I've I've I've, I've said that wrong. Uh, yeah, I think you made it. You made it more charming. <laughs> uh, and hopefully, you guys come back for some more. <sighs> Good save. Yeah. I've... Surprise myself with my genius sometimes. Um, oh, I suppose if you claim that it was good, then it goes away again. Anyway, uh, yeah, so obviously we haven't been doing a Facebook post because I want you to all be surprised by whatever the picks are. And in all likelihood, you probably haven't seen them anyway. So, um, but with that said, uh, like we would have said in the intro, ratings and reviews, apparently they're the most important thing you can do. So if you rate the podcast, especially give it a review because that's the sort of things that share it out to other people. So would really appreciate if you start doing that, if you haven't done it, if you have done it, wonderful, beautiful, we love you. Um, and even if you haven't done it, we love you, but we'd love you just that little bit more. Um, and yeah, join the social medias as per usual. Um, and that, I suppose we should just go, should we? Well, well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. See you next week. Keep it. Don't get crabs. Creative. Don't get crabs. Anyway, bye. Oh, lovely. That's actually good advice that you gave there. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so.